Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright. Eyeball, 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 eyeball. <laughs> That's right. Today we're talking about Minute 39, which begins with Guard Down and ends with Ocular Extraction. <laughs> back on the show, it's Jay Shepard. Hello, Jay. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's always good to talk eyeballs with you. So here we are. Oh, yeah. Well, I, like I say, I always, uh, you know, carry eyeballs in one pocket and a big stick in another. So <laughs> You're sounding more and more like Rocket. Uh, Holy cow. All right. So we're continuing our intercutting between our three locations. We, you know, start this minute off. We're seeing the uh, the guard who had just in the last minute, no, he, he heard a sound. He looks down. His comrade in arms down below falls down with a neck, an arrow in the throat. <laughs> so horrible. I mean, yeah. I, I've got to say, somebody needs to hold Jeremy Renner, or I should say Clint Barton, accountable for the way that he chooses to kill people in this particular moment. These are innocent guards, and they get shot in the throat. It's just, it's horrible. This And the one that we're looking at here, he gets shot in the throat and then falls off the building. Like, that's just, it's just terrible. It's It really is reprehensible. And I think, is his psychological trauma of being under mind control not enough, Andy? <laughs> is that why we should forgive him remember budapest he's had to live with that too <laughs> i guess it depends on the lawyer that he finds uh, to represent him so true true maybe she hulk can step in to do yeah. some work <laughs> now before we get dig too deep into our minute here pete i i wanted to ask you a question i know i'm probably putting you on the spot but the logo, the the font for the Schaefer Seeker Hiker <gasps> oh, Stefflerflum, no. the Seeker Heitstenst. Guys, it's terrible. One, I wanted to get your thoughts on the the logo because right around three seconds at the beginning of this minute, we've got a great shot of the of the the title, the name of this particular location. And interestingly, they've decided to put the umlaut over the A in red, whereas the rest of the the font is all white. And I find it to be a really interesting looking design. And I don't know if you actually did any research on the font or not, but I did want to did want to check. It hurts me to tell you that I did not uh, on this particular. <laughs> I did not on this particular font. In fact, I I am shamed that I will just watch this minute with you, and I didn't even notice there was typographical intrigue going on so we might have to guy we might have to come back to it andy we might have to do a, we might a have to follow up episode I'll, I'll add my two cents for that so please the, with, with the two uh, red dots for the umlaut since this is a security service place would that not indicate the laser sites that the security teams use and because it's two it could be we're always watching you yeah that's true. Two eyes, right? Little red vampire eyes. They're, they're vampires too, so they mm-hmm. work better at night, right? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> or the or the holes the, from the fangs, right? And the right, right, so right. Yep. That would work that way as well. Yep. Um, this might be Euro style um, as a font. Yeah. It looks. It looks. Um, I'm very familiar with Euro style extended. I think it is because that's something I had used on one of my websites, and uh, so I think this might be that, which would make sense, right? It's supposed to be Germany. That's in Europe. It and sure this is, is a style of font. So, <laughs> yeah, very much sells it. 
I gotcha. I think you you might be right. I'm I'm doing a quick what font is uh, to see if I can get the exact one. What the font? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, you you play around with that. It's uh, I I just like it. I really like. I think I like it specifically because of the red umlaut. Mm-hmm. I just I feel that it really stands out in an interesting way. And, and to your point, like there's there's interesting reads for a security company to have uh, something like that. So very cool. Yeah. Um, so we're cutting from that. We also see, again, we're getting cuts to our Takaks Quartet as they continue playing. And then we get the Quinjet flying. And I just feel like if this is they're flying at top speed, it just doesn't look like they're flying at top speed. Like I look at this shot of it and I'm like, that's not Mach 2.1. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. But the clouds moving under them just don't look like they're moving under them very fast. It's not the most dynamic shot. Uh, yeah, the Quinjet yeah. that we've ever seen, right? It really isn't. And, and considering they're in a rush to get around, you know, from wherever they were to, to Stuttgart, it just doesn't seem like they're, they're putting the pedal to the metal here. Can I, I, you're absolutely right. And now I'm ready to talk to you. Oh, okay. Can we go back, back to fonts? I can't believe how good Jay is. Everybody knows all he really is is a big band superstar with his band foxing around the edges. <laughs> but also, he is a font uh, typeface, uh, extraordinary typeface specialist. It is I a, have a, it is a variant so. of Eurostyle, but get a load of this, Jay. Eurostyle next pan-European narrow regular. Uh, narrow. Pan-European. Okay. I love that. Wow. Yeah, that's where that's uh, how we get the. Uh, but but one thing that they did do is uh, the umlaut in the in the typeface itself. Everything is square, like all the uh, accents have uh, have you know square edges, and the umlaut in the logo, uh, the dots are round, hmm. the points are round, and so um, that is one uh, modification tweak. to the official typeface. Nice, but Eurostyle next pan-European narrow regular. It is a linotype family. Wow. Well, it is damn nice to stare at while we watch this stuntman fall off the building. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And I got to say, in the realm of stunt work, like, that's a great fall. Like, that's he actually, fall, yeah. he, he... Oh, he's going to land on his neck for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just like to it's... <laughs> that arrow the rest of the way through. <laughs> it's terrible the way he does it. But I love, I love watching it. Like, the art of actual stunt work, I just find mesmerizing the stuff that they do. Also, the fact that it's it's a relatively other than the music, it's a silent scene, and uh, this whole minute is silent except for the yeah. anguished yeah. screams at the end um, and the thwick thwick. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's silent in terms of no no dialogue. I sure, guess. sure, but, sure. Yeah, but even like it's silent enough with the uh, with the arrow shots and the stunt work and stuff like that. It's you know, it really leads you. Oh, okay, you know. It is stealth, right? It's not your fast and furious movie where they're trying to break in somewhere, you know, with, you know, rustling of guns and clothes and everything else that you get. And some of these where they're supposed to be quiet. This does feel very stealthy. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think that in the realm of putting Clint Barton in a situation where he is... Um, you know, doing some like covert thievery, it works well when your weapon is an arrow. I like the way that it actually plays in nicely with the silence of the scene, to your point. 
Now, what do you two think? So uh, we cut to the ground level and we see Barton walking up. He's got a few um, agents with him. Um, I, I don't know what sort of agents we're calling. We'll call them Loki agents. And he passes his bow off to one of them so that he can go up to the door. Does that seem like something Hawkeye would do? Or I was like, does he, does he just give his weapon to people? No, it, it doesn't. I was a little surprised by that. I feel like I've never noticed that before. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I say that because that is my headcanon of, of him not to just hand his weapon o- away. Yeah. And yet he does leave it everywhere. <laughs> he didn't even take it with him when he went down to talk to Fury earlier. In the and film. we know he left one in the Radisson somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting point, though. I mean, he is such a professional with his weapon. You know, you would you would feel like he does kind of want to keep it under his control. Um, you know, it's it's I'm sure um, even though this might be his, you know, secondary weapon, like we were talking about in the other minute where, you know, he he, he didn't have anything when he left the facility at the beginning of the movie. Um, but, you know, assuming he has to calibrate this and, you know, set it, you don't just hand it to some guy who, whoop, I dropped it, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, okay. I, I brought, I, I mentioned this the other day about, um, Hawkeye possibly being the world's worst archer. And since we now have actually seen him in action, he's passed his bow off to somebody. I feel like this is the appropriate time to have this conversation. There is an article by Jim McQuarrie in Wired. I will uh, throw a link up in our uh, show notes for this episode. And thank you to Edward over in Facebook who brought this to my attention because I hadn't seen this article before. But this person knows archery and definitely uh, has written about it, wrote about it with uh, Brave, the Pixar movie, and with The Hunger Games, and now writes about it with this film. And this is just a, you know, he says, I'm sure, Jeremy, this is, he saw it before the movie came out. I, I think he based a lot of this on the trailer, but he says, he shoots like a rank amateur. <laughs> and then and then he he knows that you know that Renner took archery lessons and everything but what he can see it says he looks like a had no coach and was entirely self-taught b had an incompetent coach there are many out there or c is a terrible student and refused to do what his coach told him the simple <laughs> fact is i see these exact same mistakes with first-time students all the time every single thing i'm about to point out is something i cover in the first lesson and i have students under the age of 6 <laughs> Oh, ow. So he complains that uh, Clint wears two arm guards. He's like, why would the world's greatest archer wear two arm guards? Some of my students don't even use one. Why does he need two? Because he's smacking the crap out of his arm. That's why. I bet there are many hilarious outtakes of of Renner wincing, shaking his injured arm, and cursing a lot after each shot. And then the grip, like the way that he's holding everything is like so completely off. He said his wrist is off to the side in an attempt to get it out of the way, hence the first arm guard. And just like like nothing that he's doing is appropriate. <laughs> so it's it's really funny. It's a very funny um, article. And, you know, not to mention he's going to go into stuff like shooting while falling off the building, all of that sort of stuff that we get. But it's funny. It's a, it's a good read to get a sense of... Um, the archery skills portrayed in the film. Again, as somebody who doesn't know these things, I would never know. Do either of you guys have a sense, like, did you watch this and say, gosh, I wonder if he's really bad at this? No, it it just never occurred to me. Well, and honestly, I think, I, I haven't seen enough of the behind the scenes, but my hunch is that a lot of the time when Jeremy's 
using his bow and arrow or his bow that there is no string. Like I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the performance is uh, working with something that's CG and he's having to imagine that he's doing all of this stuff. Yeah. And I think that's going to make it a lot harder. Either no string or no string and no arrow. Well, no arrow or no arrow and no string. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we see, I think we see no, nothing later in the big battle at the end. We see him with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. For, um, for this, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen enough of the behind the scenes stuff, but I know on the, um, the CW show, the arrow, um, he was often, it was just a bow, right? There was no string, there was no arrow, and they put that all in in post. And so he could go as quickly as he could move his arm. And it was just the effects artist that had to figure out how it would all work. Yeah. Right. So I kind of wonder, you know, it's like with anybody's job or anything that somebody excels in, you know, if you are really good at rebuilding engines and you watch a movie or a show where somebody's trying to fix a car or, you know, if if, if I were to watch something with people, you know, trying to manage a project and send emails like, nah, they're not doing it right. <laughs> you know, it's just you're, you're very critical about that kind of stuff because it's so innate to you get me started on on apple's uh show with uh the podcast show that they have mm-hmm. just let's start talking about about shows that try to depict podcasters i never thought in a million years that the thing that i do would end up on a show for me to lampoon but sure enough <laughs> here we are there it is there it is so funny yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to laugh at these things. Inevitably, I mean, you know, doctors complain about how doctor people playing doctors perform. I think, you know, I feel like it's almost any job you're going to find, except when Tom Hanks plays an astronaut, and then you have real authenticity. Like, I think that's where the line is. <laughs> Do you hear yourself when you talk sometimes? <laughs> yes, because you're yes. doing it again. You're Tom well, Hanks fanboy. Bring, bring, <laughs> did, I, did I show you my trading cards? <laughs> Vintage. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Uh, Can we talk about this courthouse, this fantastic courthouse? We certainly can. We've talked about it. I I know you you love talking about this stuff. I want to talk about some of the art, though. Specifically, we've got Loki coming in. Okay, we've got Loki coming in. This is where he's got, you know, he's he's in the kind of the business duds, the kind of the dapper outfit, similar to what he had in Thor when he went to talk to him in the holding cell. He's and and the the scepter is now a cane with a glowing blue end. The first piece of art that we're going to see him walk past is this fantastic uh, mural that's on the wall, and it is called King John signing the Magna Carta. It's this huge, massive piece of art that they have there that um, I guess they were wanting to have art in here when they built it that were depicting different aspects of the law and its progress. So mm-hmm. Sir Frank Brang- Brangwin is the artist behind this. It's really nice piece of art. They totally looked out finding such a great location here with all of this like built-in um, art and design features and stuff like this with, you know, potentially what that just that one table that we see at the end the 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 cow the two-headed cow table. Yeah. um that they would have to have brought in uh, for the production. Right. It's it's stunning because none of this feels like U.S. Like this painting feels like something you would see in some 
classic uh, European building from hundreds of years ago. So, yeah, and again, we're in the Cuyahoga County Courthouse, which is in Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) So, um, and not to you know, and not to just Cleveland. I'm sure there's you know, there's well, actually, I know there's some really nice uh, stuff that is is depicted there because uh, I've driven around on Google Maps and on their street view, (laughs) and and I'm very familiar with the town. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and this courthouse was built in 1912, so it's not like this stuff was even that old, you know? And so that's what 100 makes years it even old more when the movie came out. Yeah, 100 years old. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder if they celebrated by showing it in the lobby or something. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, the building, uh, Charles F. Schweinfurth was the architect of the building and um, worked with Frederick Wilson on a lot of this stuff, including the stained glass that we see here. Uh, the stained glass is this uh, really nice piece that is um, on the staircase as um, as Loki is walking down. The stained glass piece is called Justice, and um, it is at the top of the staircase, and it's it's depicting Justice. Justice is depicted with her eyes uncovered, indicating justice should not be blind and her eyes should be open to the spirit and to the letter of the law. The right hand of justice is covered in in mail and her left hand is bare to symbolize the dispensation of justice tempered with mercy. Tablets representing the Ten Commandments are, are, are on each side of the standing figure and overhead is the celestial city of the apocalypse where perfect justice reigns. Holy cow. That's a lot. And then Loki dispenses his own justice That's moments right. later with, his, uh, with yes. his cane. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Um, I, I just It's amazing, these pieces that they found in here that work so nicely. And it's interesting because, you know, we're in a courthouse, and as you just said, with Loki and Justice and everything, whatever the exhibit that we have going on here, this whole, everything feels well-designed for Loki to be coming in to kind of take over things. It's like this is his this is his first opportunity to present himself to his people of Midgard in a, in a certain capacity. And we were mentioning that we thought it might be an opera um, um, in the last episode. But, you know, with the music and with the way Loki carries himself into this entrance and and, and just the entrance that he makes where he uh, knocks the guard out and everything like that, it does have a, you know, a very larger-than-life feeling to it, especially um, uh, where... Uh, shooting, you know, above uh, as he kind of descends the staircase and everything like that. Right there's a little more of a uh, of a scope to the to the shots inside here. To like you said, to get that entire piece of art um, across the top floor, the the signing of the Magna Carta one. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing plays really nicely, and then. And this is where, if this music is still diegetic, it really cracks me up. And your point about the Titanic is ever the more funny because the music amplifies, keeps playing. And actually, I will say, I, it, there's there's definitely some non-diegetic because it becomes an orchestra. It's not just the four um, string pieces or the string instruments at this point. But it gets really big and bombastic as he starts, uh, you know, he hits this guy and he grabs the scientist, flips him onto the table. The crowd panics and starts running out. And the, band, and the, the string quartet keeps playing on. I kind of love the idea that you know they're gonna they're gonna finish their song before they sink whatever the Titanic. They worked hard on it. Yeah, yeah. They deserve this. <laughs> we deserve this. If we're only playing for him as he yeah. plucks that guy's eye out, we'll then that's fine. It. That's fine. That's enough for us. So I'm gonna have to ask this: What is that device, and why do they have it? Like and, why? And where did they get it so quickly? Especially. 
I mean, is it something that came also from Shield's armory? Was it something that that Clint had? <laughs> and if so, it's it's you know that is kind of one of my pet peeves and like sci-fi films is that, you know, when you have technology, it is super um, uh, built towards the exact thing that you need it to do at yeah. that point. Right. It yeah. doesn't look like it's just, you know, a, a tool that you had laying around. This is a very specific tool for plucking an eyeball out and creating a holographic rendition of it. Yeah. Yeah. On, in a different place. Right. It's, it's so specifically, especially when, I don't know. My sense from that, and again, maybe it's just because I watched that extended scene, but my sense was that Clint had kind of put this plan together and then at the last minute decided, hey, you know what, why don't you come along too, Loki? You can help. But it's like, okay, but it wasn't his... did he was he going to have somebody else doing this part of the job, or was he, or he going was to extract it and then like physically take yeah, the bring it all over? Yeah. Right? right. So yeah, there's so many steps involved in the process of this, and then to just have the perfect <laughs> tool for it, it just it does seem a little uh, a little far fetched. But yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I will say when Loki flips the guy over onto the table, it does look like Egyptian, if we're going to describe the type of art this cow table is, because the it's got kind of a gold flat top to it, and it looks like an Egyptian uh, sort of person carved into the top of it. So, Or, or Sumerian, I guess, maybe? Yeah, could like, be. Like uh, Gozer, 3rd century the, BC Oh, the Gozerian. Like <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know where we are now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. At least it's not Star Trek, right? <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. No, I love Star Trek. Star Trek's fine when it's a cinematic experience. Star Trek is All right. fine. <laughs> All right. So now we've got the eyeball is getting extracted. I Okay. My, I had a question. I, I, I feel like we all assume that the eyeball is getting extracted. It sounds like it's getting extracted. On the other end, we'll talk about it tomorrow, it kind of looked like the eyeball got extracted. But do you think they needed to extract the eye? Like, it's just, it's an eye scan. It's like a retinal scan that they're they're putting up, putting the eye to. Couldn't they just do something a little simpler? <sighs> then Loki's not as villainous, I guess, right? <laughs> well, true. Yeah, like, we need to see him go all the way. Like, like he would flip the guy over and slam him down on this table, and then he pulls out his iPhone and says, hold still. And he takes a, <laughs> takes a photo of it, and then he just texts it to Clint. Right. So, I don't know. It doesn't have the same weight. Yeah, but is it—I guess the question is, does he need to take the whole eyeball? Like, like that's a, that's a like, prop design thing to make Loki menacing, because clearly they've invented this thing that can transmit eyeballness over the air— <laughs> <laughs> right. Do they have to actually gouge the eye out to actually make that right, to make that work? Like iFi. Do you think Loki kept it afterward as, as like a trophy? It's an extraction. It's somewhere it's you kind of feel like like it, it gets sucked up into the handle. Like you, you hear the and then the and then like it gets sucked in. You really enjoy those sounds. There's a lot of full. I just did some mouth fully. I'm sorry for everybody who had to listen to that. It, 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 yeah, it sounds like something that would have happened in, like, Phantasm or something like yes. that, or Saw, maybe. Yep. This is a surprisingly violent tool to be thrown into this film. Like, I, I, 
<laughs> they do it completely bloodlessly with just cuts of like I like when we are seeing the shot like we cut to like we're looking at the eye of this cow table <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's um it's interesting the way that they get away with and no prop replica of it as far as I know so no prop replica of it <laughs> like that's that's a power tool to have sitting like as your centerpiece of your dining room table oh yeah I mean <laughs> what is that. Oh, let me show you. <laughs> You've never seen anything like it. Uh, all right. Well, we're coming right to this point. It's really the answer to the to the uh, setup that we had with Clint earlier when he says he needs an eye. Now we know what he's talking about. That's kind of the end of this uh, minute. Any last thoughts about anything here, or should we save the rest of our conversation about this for tomorrow? I think we're okay. All right. Well, it has been a, a fun and uh, juicy, juicy minute. I don't know if that's a good ter- good word to say <laughs> yep. with this. Succulent. You made it weird. Succulent. <laughs> uh, Jay, tell everybody again about what you're up to and where they can track you down. Uh, you can uh, check out my work at mculocationscout.com, where you can find locations from the Avengers and all the other MCU films and TV shows. You can also check out retrosap.com. I've got a number of written articles there, including some MCU location scout stories, uh, sci-fi Saturdays, 31 Days of Horror, and a plethora of podcasts, including Superhero Suite and Enjoy Stuff. Fantastic. So much stuff to check out, everybody. Check it out. The links are in the show notes. And remember, if you're not seeing the show notes in your podcatcher app, then just go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com. You'll see the show notes there. And, uh, you know, you can also find out about our membership at, uh, at that site as well, where you get all your, your episodes ad-free, early, and member bonus episodes as well. Lots of good stuff. So that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week. So, Pete, thanks as always. Now make sure you look for that ocular extraction Barton Industries shirt that we're going to have up on the (laughs) merch store. Barton Associates. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>